Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. Hey, this is Josh. It is June 15th here in Lockdown, Ottawa. Kind of Lockdown, Ottawa. Lockdown enough. We're still in lockdown. No one else is. That's what it seems like. Yeah, we're not enjoying it. So I spent the day at the Mayfair today. I went in in the morning to swap out the marquee for somebody and put up a birthday message. And then I, I've i just been doing chores, but I don't know. I have a little bit of librarian in my DNA, so I don't mind it. It's kind of fun organizing and finding treasure and getting things all tidy. So on Saturday, Gwen and I went in and finished up logging the poster room. So now it's a tiny little bit more work for the staff once we get rolling, but for the first time maybe ever, we know exactly what we have. And Gwen made a Google Doc for that. So we're all organized and there is treasure in there that would blow people's minds. And it's just, it'll be nice because now when we're like, oh, do we have an ET? We're like, yes, it's right there. So <laughs> that, that was the first thought. Because <laughs> there was times in the past where it's just one of those things. It's like at home, you know, if you have an attic or a basement, you blink and all of a sudden it's just a disaster zone. So there'd be times when we'd be like, oh, do we have a Warriors poster or where's that Howard the Duck poster? And <laughs> you couldn't find it. And now common things you overhear at the Mayfair. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Howard the Duck poster was found behind the screen. Oh, man. Of course it was. So now I'm quite proud of ourselves because so we did that. We also pulled aside. We have a whole bunch of film festival posters that have been made for the Mayfair over the years which are cool things to have, but really they're kind of useless to us because say it's a Indiana Jones trilogy, it'll have specific prices and dates on it. So that will change, right? So mm. you could just kind of slap poster slugs over it, but it kind of looks messy. So I asked the partners and I was like, should we keep these or can I get rid of them? And I admit I'm in quite the get rid of stuff mode lately they were like yeah it's cool we can get rid of them and i always think it's kind of nice if some of our mayfair fans might think it's cool to have one of these kind of posters on the wall mm -hmm. that's nice to sell it to them for a couple of bucks we make a few dollars and then they have this nice little piece of mayfair treasure it's good publicity if they take a picture and put it on their social media or whatever so so that was that's another thing to add to the garage sale list that i'm going to get ready soon and put that out to the masses to buy during these lockdown times for our bank account while we can't sell you popcorn and movie tickets. Yeah, not, not in good conscience or legally. <laughs> yeah. No, those are cool, though. I really like the Indiana Jones ones. I remember those for the triple bill you do with the hot dogs and stuff. Well, there was one that I thought you might want because we have oh. a Up All Night Fest one. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, I didn't know we had those. This one actually has each specific VHS box on it. It's the one that's the year that had the Sasquatch Kid movie and Cool <laughs> as Ice. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, obviously I want that. And then for Andrew, we have the Quentin Tarantino <laughs> Fest, which I thought oh, Andrew oh. might. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know uh, what the size is? Because I have a frame. Oh, man, he was ready. <laughs> I believe. I have a 27 by 40 frame. Yeah, I think you're set. I believe they're actual theatrical poster size and if not pretty darn close of being a little bit smaller or a little bit bigger but i'm pretty sure you'll be good with a 2740 size it's from a fest you look at the good old days of our business model and it's nuts that we're still here because <laughs> <laughs> like some of these fests are just like 
two months of retro apocalypse movies and every Quentin Tarantino movie and every Planet of the Apes movie. And they're fun stuff, but now we've learned to be a bit more like a few fun things here mixed with some grown-up movies, mixed with a new film, mixed with some kids' films. But in the heyday, it was just these bonkers festivals, which were fun, but did not make a lot of money because... (laughs) everybody only has so many hours in the day and so many free days in the week. So if we were screening 12 movies on a topic in a month, a lot of people were like, well, I can hit two of those. So I think we've learned since then to kind of balance that a bit better. Yeah. And I mean, it's understandable. Like you really only had, from what I know, you only had that one blowback from that dude who was like, why aren't you showing more of that obscure trash? No one was going to see. And you're just like, <laughs> uh, we're kind of trying to run a business basically. It's like anything. There was, I just happened to, thanks to this podcast and Twitter site that I really like called The Retroist, he's been posting these little kind of blog entries where he follows a domino effect of this movie led me to watch this and it recognized a Simpsons reference and this led me to this comic book and this led me to this soundtrack. So it's kind of a neat little thing. So he was talking about how in the age before the internet, because now people can get angry at us on the internet, but before people would just get angry and sit at their typewriter and send Steven Spielberg a letter because they lost a contact lens at ET because they were crying (laughs) and they want Spielberg to send them a refund and just bonkers stuff like that. And it's like, wow, well, it's nice to see that people have always been insane. Jeez. Yeah. There's, there must be some uh, just absurd ones for like, because I mean, stuff like that, it's like, you always know there's going to be ones for the most popular movies, but then there's going to be that one guy who's furious at the most random, is like, Short Circuit 2 really <laughs> yeah. upset me for this reason. It'd be like, I work in robotics, and that movie does not make <laughs> any sense at all. It's funny you sort of say that, right? we, for Bad Movie Night, we watch Head Over Heels with Freddie Prince Jr. Oh my God. And I, out of nowhere, my wife was like, oh, I've seen that movie, because she's, she's a paper conservator, or like had been. And she was like, that movie is about this woman who's a, a paintings conservator. And she was like, it's notorious in the art world because we all nitpick it because that movie got this wrong and that wrong. And I was like, I can't believe this conversation is happening right now. <laughs> like, it was so <laughs> surreal. That's hilarious. Who's the romantic lead in that movie with him? Oh, is it Monica Potter? God, I can't even remember that movie. Yeah, she was in Kiss the Girls, I believe it was, with, or maybe it was Along Came a Spider. It was one of those Alex Cross movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was just, it was, I can't remember the year now, but it was like early 2000s. It, it was bad, but like, it did have some funny parts. I'm not going to say, but, but I'm not going to lie. But I just thought it was hilarious that not only did she know the movie, but it's because of the character's job in the movie. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you screwed up, Hollywood screenwriters. That's funny to think that there was some, blog post or article in a magazine that just tore that movie apart where 95 percent of us have no recollection of that movie at all or what the job was of that character i might not even have given it a second thought but going in knowing that i was like oh yeah because she's in like this lab and they're like eating food and they're like not using gloves and stuff it's like so ridiculous isn't there like an exploding toilet in that movie or oh yeah oh yeah pretty much twice but yeah definitely like there's two diarrhea scenes and I don't even mean that in that they were bad scenes, but there was a lot of those too. I only know that because I, I remember when Roger Ebert reviewed it on, on his TV show <laughs> and mentioned that. Oh God, yeah. It, it, Ebert would not have liked this movie. <laughs> 20 years ago was a weird time for romantic comedies because a lot of them were terribly guilty of that. Like, oh, you're a 
intelligent and attractive young woman in glasses and overalls. And then at the end, we change everything about you and say that that's okay. Yeah, I was having fun with that because they definitely there's a makeover scene, of course. And I was like, oh, she'll never be beautiful. She's so ugly right now with her. She didn't have glasses, actually. Like it was it was not much of a stretch at all. She moved in with four models and you're like, so five models, basically, is what you're telling me. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how much better we've gotten. I think there's some stuff too, like even back in the eighties, like John Hughes movies, which are put up on this pedestal. And then you look back on them now and there's a lot of great stuff in there, but even Molly Ringwald kind of wrote a really interesting thing of saying that it's okay to love something and go back and question it and go, nah, maybe that wasn't the best of things. Yeah. Andrew has to deal with that a lot with Tarantino films. So (laughs) (laughs) it's fine. The other thing I did was it is the silver lining about this time is just kind of having this extra time to, clean up and organize a bit and so behind the screen there was just some junk so got rid of a bunch of junk and then just in doing so kind of allowed to puzzle piece that space back there a bit better so we had all these filing cabinets just with boring business stuff that we have to hang on to paperwork and stuff like that so i moved those filing cabinets as far in as i could so they'll just sit there until we don't need it anymore got rid of four boxes of vhs tapes and and some dvds And theoretically, I could get ambitious and try to sell these on eBay or something, but I don't think it'd be worth our time. So I asked Lee and I was like, can I just put these out? They're kind of four tidy boxes. I'll set them on the stage, can easily move them if we happen to have a live band in sometime in the future, but just put them out, put the word out on social media, put up a couple signs and say, if you're a VHS collector or want to look through here and find some DVDs, just take them, just take them. And then if you want to donate us a couple bucks, you can do that. And if not, that's fine too. Because I just, I like the thought of them finding a nerd home versus just Mm. throwing out four boxes of movies. So that's another fun thing is we'll just have this little video store in the Mayfair that people can come and take movies from (laughs) if they want. Oh man, we should actually set up a video store behind the screen and like curate this (laughs) whole thing back there. They're like, this is a really weird business shift, but- uh, (laughs) Confuse people. Yeah, very much. Be like, do you have your card? I thought they were just free. No, need a membership card. <laughs> no, no, that was a bait and switch to get you in the door. So like Andrew could run that back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People walking in like during the movie and be like, shh. Oh, man. This is the best, worst idea we've ever come up with. We've had a few. But the funny thing was I listened to a podcast called Wizards. You have to be just the exact right age and geek type to want to listen to this kind of podcast. <laughs> That's why I love podcasts. You know, whether you're into fishing or knitting or construction or a 1990s comic book magazine there's something out there for everybody oh wizard yeah i thought it was gonna be like a ralph bakshi thing or something no so this is a couple of guys going back issue by issue and dissecting wizard magazine wow it's pretty interesting because they've managed to get some of the writers and artists who worked on the magazine and those people are in crazy places now like working with robot chicken or working for dc comics they've really went out from the geek wizard world and a lot of them have found really interesting careers after that magazine kind of fell apart but i just remembered listening to one of their episodes recently and they were talking about the vhs days and one of them said they watched carnosaur 2 (laughs) and in front of it was an ad for roger corman's fantastic four and since this was before the days of the internet This little kid saw that and was like, oh, my God, there's a Fantastic Four movie coming. And then there was nothing in the video (laughs) store and nothing in the newspapers. And it just never came out. 
And he thought, like, was I hallucinating? Was that did that really happen? The long and short of that lore is that Marvel Comics got Roger Corman to produce a Fantastic Four movie. And as legend has it, it's because it was some red tape in the copyright. Like they had to produce that movie to retain cinematic copyright so that they could then sell it to Fox for millions and millions of dollars. So this movie's never been released, never in theaters, never on VHS, never on DVD. So I sent them a little Instagram message saying, I might be misremembering this, but are you looking for a Carnosaur 2 VHS? And the guy very excitedly <laughs> sent me back a message. It was like, oh my God, I am. Can I send you money or whatever? And I was like, nah, it's a VHS tape. So I'll pop it in the mail and you can mention the Mayfair and this story on your podcast and that'll be fun. So we made a geek dream come true today. Damn, you covered a lot of ground in that. There's a really good uh, documentary on that Fantastic Four thing called Doomed. Yeah, I got to watch it. They mentioned that it was on Amazon, but I think it might only be on Amazon US because I went looking for it and I couldn't mm. find it. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, guys, I think I watched it on Prime at one point, but maybe I'm hallucinating that, like that guy hallucinated the trailers. <laughs> it could have been a thing where they had the rights for it for a year and now they don't in Canada, you know? Carnosaur 2 is basically, I, I had that VHS, I think. It's basically just a ripoff, the Kmart version of, or the giant tiger version of Aliens. <laughs> Man, it's funny, I because I didn't see the first one. I can't, I think I have now, but as a kid, I didn't see the first one. I only saw that VHS of the second one. So it's kind of weird all this coming together right now. There's a third one too, which I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, I also didn't, but for some reason two is part of my life, <laughs> it would seem. That's on my bucket list is to see Carnosaur 3. <laughs> You'll probably be. The only thing about 2 I remember is that they're in a helicopter, the guys in the helicopter, and then someone, you can tell they just shove this shitty dinosaur into the frame. And it just He's like, oh, it's like, it's so bad. I remember a lot of it was essentially a kind of a big hand puppet, wasn't it? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it looked like a Muppet. <laughs> it looked like, you know, something from the Jim Henson workshop that they wanted to throw away. So bad. Roger Corman just found it in Jim Henson's backyard and was like, yeah, oh, I'll take this. <laughs> at, a, at a garage sale. I feel like it, it might even have been like better quality dinosaurs than the first one from what I've heard, but that's not saying much at all. I don't know how this happened, but I inexplicably saw it at the Vanier mini multiplex here in Ottawa back in whatever year that what? was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw Carnosaur 2 in theater? In the theaters. And it was one of those things that could only exist for kids pre-internet, where I swear that we were at a friend's house and we had plans to probably go to the Mayfair or play role-playing games or something. And I happened to be just flipping through the newspaper at my friend's house. And then there was an ad for Carnosaur 2 at the Vanier Cinema. And <laughs> I just remember being like, well, we have to go see this because oh this is God. never going to happen again. And you got to think that would have been a film print. So wow. somebody at the Vanier Cinema must have been like, hey, this is available. Let's be the only place in Ontario that's screening it. Like it blew my mind that of all places it showed up there. And it's one of those things, if I hadn't have looked at the newspaper that night, maybe it only played for a couple days or something. I remember walking in and seeing there was like a four or six poster grid at this little weird cinema. And it had, you know, a couple of other romantic comedies or a Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie or whatever. And there was Carnosaur 2. And I was like, wow, this blows my mind. I'm sure there's some story behind it, but. I want to find out now because like now I own a home in Vanier. So I feel like attached to this story. And people have asked me about that weird little cinema. And if I remember correctly, it was this weird, tiny, tiny strip mall 
I think had a restaurant attached to it and like a little pharmacy and something like that, like a shoe store, just like a real bland little strip mall. And it is still there, but the cinema has been gutted. And if you were standing in it on your left side was one bigger cinema that was not that big, was maybe like maybe a hundred seats. And that might be exaggerating. And then on your right side was four tiny, tiny cinemas that were maybe like 50 seats and the kind of thing with like a row down the middle and a screen about the size of a futon. But I remember they got good stuff. Like I saw Predator 2 there when I was way too young. All the two movies. Yeah, I saw Monster Squad there. But yeah, that building is still there, but the cinema is long gone out of it. Is it where the beer store is? Like just over the bridge? Uh, It is. God, it's right in... Right across the street, I think, is like a strip club or a former porno theater. <laughs> okay, okay. I, not that I, why well, I shouldn't have perked up at that, but I know exactly what you mean. Because I live here, not because of, anyways. But it's right in that weird part of town where it's like, now it's like young couples first homes and little businesses opening up, but there's still, I think, a strip club right there. So Holy hell, I need I to think, look into this and get back to you. I'm sure if you Googled Vanier Cinema Ottawa, you'd find somebody talking about it. Oh, yeah, I'll ask around the neighborhood old heads to see who remembers what. Andy boy, I cut you I cut you off. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say the. I think the Vanier Cinema was one of those cineplexes that was just, you know, a big box with a series of rooms, like oh, screening yeah. rooms, kind of like the Eaton Center in Toronto. Man, for, it, it sounds a little bit like some of the World Exchange ones that were just yeah, basically like yeah, a, a big a, living room. <laughs> that model of cinema. But Carnosaur too, though. Yeah. And oh, Tremors. I saw Tremors there as well. Oh, man. So you saw like a bunch of classics and Carnosaur too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm taking from this. But yes, it's fun finding treasure like that hiding around the Mayfair. I took out, there's a handful of DVDs as well. I think some of them are from, I think some of them are from like Lee's collection and he just dumped them here so we can give them away as prizes on Oscar nights and stuff like that. But I grabbed Female Prisoner 701 or Scorpion. I'm not sure what the exact title is three different films and i think they're based on a manga and it's just this like awesome looking kick-ass female action hero kind of thing it's really good yeah i think we i think we might have shown it for cinema not that we would ever talk about that yeah (laughs) off the record yeah do you know how many of them there are andrew uh there's a few of them i got three so I, i gotta look up and see how many of them there are i forget how many there's like i don't know maybe four or five at least but they look really cool like it's it's her in a cool hat with a really long gun and a long trench coat. And it looks kind of like Sin City film noir. I was like, wow, I, I think I'm going to love these. And I Man. told Leah that I was stealing them. And he instantly replied and was like, oh, my God, those are awesome. Ha! Of course, That's like the most telegraphed response you could expect. From the, you're like, of <laughs> yeah. course he loves that. See, now I want to see it, though. Actually, you guys hyped it up. It's funny you mentioned cinema because when I was editing the last couple podcasts, you don't think about it in the moment. You kind of forget you're just... You're trying to record something professional and not just chatting with your friends. But a couple of times we mentioned cinema without saying what we were talking about, not saying Saturday night cinema. So it just sounds like we're Mm. talking about movies. But (laughs) if anybody was listening to the last couple of weeks, Saturday night cinema at the Mayfair, which you probably know if you're listening to this, but we have some out of towners who listen to this is a monthly secret screening that we do where we'll show old Grindhouse stuff, stuff that's out of distribution. And the fun gimmick is it's free for members. And we show some bonkers, weird old piece of drive-in movie history. (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going with that piece of blank. Cinema is just our shorthand. 
Yeah, with an S. With an S. S-I-N. I want to re-listen now thinking we were talking about cinema as an art form because that must be really funny. They're like, well, we are. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So I guess everything's fine. I don't think there's anything confusing in the conversation, but just we never specify that it is a secret screening, you know, like that the title of the night is S-I-N-E-M-A. So it's it's funny when you listen to it, when you realize like, oh, we're not describing this well enough. <laughs> yeah, we usually don't, but yeah. it makes more sense now. And the other thing that happened this week, which was kind of cool that I can't give specifics on, but probably will be able to soon, is that there was a distributor who was looking to get a hold of a film to put together a fancy restored Blu-ray box set. They asked Lee about it because they know that we have a handful of films or that Lee has a handful of films. And it ends up that we do have this film. So Lee went in with Marcus, our projectionist, kind of our former projectionist and current tech guru to play this film because they were looking for some specifics of it's a film with subtitles and a film with dubbing. And they were trying to figure out which one we might have because it's a very rare film to track down. So they played this film. Lee basically just recorded it with his phone, which is why we can't really release the video because if you're not paying attention, it looks like we're pirating movies, (laughs) but it's for a reason. So he recorded this film, sent it to the powers that be, and pretty cool, it ends up that this is this really hard to find edition of this movie. Wow. So we'll be able to talk about this sooner or later because when this Blu-ray box set happens, I'm sure the Mayfair is going to get a special thanks and I hope we get some free Blu-rays out of it. Yeah. And and they will be able to talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm listening. Andrew's really perked up now. They will be able to talk about it, but it's kind of fun that we happen to have a 35 millimeter print that they couldn't find anywhere else in the world. And we have done this once before. I can't remember what movie it was, but that was, I think for a criterion movie and Mayfair has got a little special thanks in it. Yeah. There was an interview done with a film professor, I think. Yeah. I think they did it just in the, I think it was for a genre Renoir movie. Okay. Yeah. So I forget the name of it. Le starts with a C Lush. Pardon my French or my lack of French. <laughs> Man, and I, I actually work in French, so I should be here helping you. But I'm like, Le Chat? Is it about cats? <laughs> yeah, like, that could be I think, good. I think that's what it is. Or, Ooh, yeah. Right. But there's an interview with a film professor from Carlton, I think. He's sitting in the Mayfair. So if you get that Blu-ray, you'll see like an interview with a film professor talking about the film. And he's, he's sitting in the Mayfair. Man, and I went to Carlton for film, so I probably had that prof. Probably, yeah. Nerd famous. That's why Mayfair is cool all over the world because people will every once in a while watch like a Blu-ray and be like, ooh, that place looks neat. I want to go there. It's true. That's how I feel about it. I, I didn't even know about that other thing. Like this, this though, this sounds like crazy. Like having that, I, I live for that stuff. Like even when it's, especially like animation, I find, because so much of it is so old and difficult to track down. There's a, there's a really good company called Thunderbean that does a lot of restorations of old cartoons. And the guy who runs it has done some talks in Ottawa for the Animation Fest and stuff. And it's just, it's so cool. Like it takes a long time for them to put this stuff together because they're not universal, you know, doing this or, right, or right. some big company. But like when you find that stuff and it's pre-vinegar syndrome, you know, and isn't going to be lost to time forever. It's just so cool. I think anybody doing this stuff, like, of course, Agfa comes to mind and Shout Factory. Anybody rescuing these old movies that are kind of forgotten about. Citizen Kane is not going to be forgotten. Godfather is not going to be forgotten. But these movies, if there weren't these 
heroic geeks out there restoring these really rare film prints. And I love that business model of getting it onto a DCP. So movie theaters like the Mayfair can screen them and then putting them onto a fancy Blu-ray. So a handful of nerds can buy them and support the business. And then it goes out to the world and will show up on Amazon streaming or Netflix or whatever. I love that because if not for that, mm -hmm. they would genuinely waste away. Like we've screened a number of Agfa movies over the years in which they had one print. And as far as they knew, this was the only complete print they had to rescue this weird grindhouse movie. And if not for that, it'd just be gone. It'd just be wasted away. That's what I fear for Psycho Pike, which is languishing away in a closet somewhere. Yeah. Uh, like maybe someday, someday I'll hit the lotto and then I can somehow buy the rights and put out a thing and I'll interview you in the theater about it. <laughs> well, even the other day we were watching a film crew movie and film crew is just they only did four movies before moving on to Rift Tracks, but it's it's a little side project of some of the Mystery Science Theater guys. And they're watching an old, what do you call it? Like a Swords and Sandals kind of Hercules kind of movie. Oh, yeah. I've I've seen those shows. They're, they're pretty funny. Hercules. It was one of the Hercules ones, I think. I think so. It was like a Steve Reeves kind of thing. But considering that they were doing this and it's riffing and it's just kind of making fun of the movie and stuff, but the quality of the print was so bad. And I was just like, wow, like this is probably the best they could do. And there was one part where you could see that the film they were watching digitally, of course, but just had just all these tears in it, or there'd be a little hiccup on the sound. You think about those kind of movies, how many of those type of movies are just lost, just gone. I think about that where they talk about how there's a number of Johnny Carson Tonight shows that are gone, 100% gone because they didn't do a good job of hanging onto the tapes. And then in that case, there was a fire that destroyed a bunch of the tapes and they didn't have any, they didn't have any safeties. So there is a big chunk of Johnny Carson that's just gone. Same thing can be said for Doctor Who. There's all kinds of Doctor Who episodes that are lost to the ages. And that's Doctor Who, one of the most famous shows of all time. So yeah, a lot of these movies are just, and a lot of them are trash, but a lot of them are fun too. And yeah, I love when they're rescued and we get to screen them. Especially, yeah, when you get a 2K, 4K scan of something that some would argue doesn't deserve it, you know, whatever that means. But <laughs> it really is astonishing to see that. And like one example that I have that more so Andrew has is they just put out a version of this movie, Champagne and Bullets. Yes. Which Andrew can talk a little more than I can, but I'm very envious that he has a copy and I don't. Well, it's become a bit of a, a cult classic online. It's sort of like The Room and like a Neil Breen movie in that it's some guy who decided to write, produce, direct, star, and compose the music for his own action <laughs> movie where he plays, you know, a, a renegade cop. <laughs> and he's a lawyer in real life. That's his day job. But he made this movie in like 1993, and it was called Champagne and Bullets. But there's two other versions with two different titles. Road to Revenge is one title. And I think the most commonly known title is Get Even. One word. Yeah, Get Even and one word. Get Even. <laughs> so weird. So thanks to the fine folks at Vinegar Syndrome, they restored the film, the original Champagne and Bullets, which was the original 16 millimeter version. And you can get a Blu-ray with all three versions, three different cuts of this film. And just to give you an idea of what this guy was going for, he cast a Playboy Playmate as his love interest. There's about, like in the room, there's about three slow motion lovemaking scenes. <laughs> just what you need. I think I heard about this just because somebody said it was like 
a prequel to the room but not the room like it felt very room-esque it's funnier though i think it's like if tommy was did a cop movie yeah it's but it has wings hauser though the bad guy is a corrupt cop who becomes a judge but on the side he's the head of a satanist cult <laughs> who deal drugs of course everything you've said makes me want to see this masterpiece yes I think it's more watchable than The Room, personally. It has Wings Hauser, so I mean, come on. Yeah, Wings Hauser's in it. We have to explain who Wings Hauser is. <laughs> who could not know Wings Hauser? I mean, <laughs> the star of The Carpenter? Yeah, his son Cole Hauser is an actor who's been in, like, Dazed and Confused and uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies. Wings Hauser was an 80s straight-to-video action star. Well, he did some theatrical movies. Yeah, like Vice Squad, he's pretty good. Yeah, Vice Squad, he's in. He's really good in that. Vice Squad, he plays like an evil pimp. And he really he really gives like 110% to that role. Yeah, it's not funny. <laughs> in Champagne and Bullets, he plays like the buddy of the main character. And he just chews up the scenery. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, this is a, you know, this is for sure a, a huge recommendation from me. And the funny part is you can't buy it till July 1st because like Andrew did, but for June, Vinegar Syndrome is only selling Agfa stuff and partners of theirs. So great for Agfa, but they're not selling their own titles. I got in on the ground floor then. Literally, I went before this <laughs> podcast to see if I could buy it. And I, I am not capable until Canada Day to purchase this movie. So Andrew's just really grinding my gears here. There's an interview, um, an interview and an audio commentary by the director, producer, star, uh, John DeHart is his name. I'm in as of Canada Day. And he does, he does a country uh, line dancing song in it too. That, that, that's worth the price of admission. We can't hype it up for Josh more than we have. Yeah, the, the shimmy slide. You see that scene. <laughs> you, might be, you could probably find it on YouTube, the shimmy slide. You won't be able to get it out of your head. It's so good. <laughs> okay, so whether he likes it or not, that's Andrew's recommendation for the week. <laughs> Eric, do you have something you want to uh, plug? Okay, Wrath of Man, Guy Ritchie movie, Jason Statham, very good. I can highly recommend that. And I also watched Scanner Cop, which was trash, but great. So I watched a classic, Field of Dreams. Oh, amazing. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. It's just kind of one of those modern movies that everyone kind of has that on their film-watching resume, you know, but I just never seen it. And I kind of wasn't a giant Costner fan at the time. Didn't bear him any ill will, but just was not... So it's just on my to-do list. And so I finally got around to seeing it. And it was very different than when I thought. Like, the field of dreams itself is only a part of the weird story. And it's this really complicated quest of faith and X-Files episode. And it, it's a real weird movie. But very well done. A very interesting script. And it's Kevin Costner, like, right down the middle of exactly what Kevin Costner should be. He's good at playing cowboys and baseball fans that's what i want to see in a kevin costner movie you know or baseball players baseball players yeah i was glad to have finally seen it i really liked it and it's just a really interesting little time piece of cinema where kevin costner was maybe the biggest actor at the time and it's a baseball movie and i don't like baseball at all but i always like baseball movies bull durham moneyball field of dreams eight men out i don't think there's ever been a baseball movie that i didn't like said all the ones I would have said so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I was glad to finally finally catch that and cross it off my really famous movies that I haven't seen list so 
we're just going to wrap things up here. We're still just doing our Zoom from our different homes. So I'll just say that we hope to be back at the end of July. We're not sure. Stay tuned for updates. We'll know them as soon as you know them. You can check out our website, mayfairtheater.ca, and all of our social media where we do frequent updates of fun stuff. Thanks for listening again, and we hope to have you back in the Mayfair soon to watch movies. And we'll see you next week on the Mayfair Lockdown Podcast. Bye for now. Bye. Oh, I forgot to tell him about the new Cage movie coming out July 16th. Pig? Oh, he yeah. He plays a hunter, and he's hunting a pig. I think he might actually play the pig as well. <laughs> Didn't he already do a hunting movie? Yeah, he was in Primal, but this is Pig. Oh, no relation. An experiment they couldn't control. Wait, what's going on here? Has unleashed the ultimate predator, Carnosaur 2. What is this? They found a way to bring back dinosaurs. Move it, move it! We found a nest. Dozens of them. Things have started breeding. Angrier, deadlier, hungrier. Carnosaur 2. Extinction is a thing of the past.